This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. When in doubt, do the opposite of whatever Mark Cuban does. Welcome to Spinsters, a podcast where we are not billionaires yet still take responsibility for the things we voted on. I'm Haley O'Shaughnessy. I'm a recovering basketball writer. I'm Jordan Liggins, and I'm an editor at Mojo. Haley, I have been waiting all weekend to talk to you about Steph Curry. Really all week. Steph Curry! (laughs) All week, for weeks, since March 29th, which, by the way, in those 14 games, he's averaged 37.6 points. He shot 13.9 threes a game on average, and he is making 46.9% of those. It's unreal. Like, you read those out, and I've watched it, but I still don't believe it. It's hard to believe. He turns me into the kind of NBA fan who I laugh at. If somebody Mm -hmm. came up to me and they were like, well, Steph Curry's not better than, I'd be like, no, they are. And I debate a stranger. Anyway, he makes me turn into this very adolescent NBA fan who wants to argue and give stats at the top of a podcast, everything, (laughs) and ask questions like, do you think this is the best you've ever seen him? Because I've really been asking myself that and I can't come up with an answer. I think I'm aware of my own recency bias, but I'm also aware that the situation is so much different this time. The other times we've seen Steph be so great. Yeah. He's surrounded by really, really great teammates. And this isn't quite the same. This is reminder, Steph. Like Steph saying, hello, I've done this before by myself. I can do it again. And I think it's just because there are so many years and championships in between those seasons. But Steph is going to Steph. And I think that this is his season to say, I need to be in that MVP conversation. I am still one of the best. I love my teammates. I had MVPs as my teammates, but I can still do this. I like that you said reminder because to me, I think of him like this is a memory trick. This feels like deja vu. I can't remember if I've experienced this level of stuff before, but I feel like I have. So that's where I'm at with it. But I am very much enjoying the season. The MVP thing is we can get into that. We're not super passionate about what qualifies for an MVP. I think because it's we're together on this idea that the MVP voting is not perfect because it's made by people and it doesn't go exclusively by stats. It doesn't go exclusively by narrative. There's a mix of everything and different people let different things tilt them. And it's also voted in part by media members Mm -hmm. who are not playing the game, who are subject to narrative, who are subject to their own biases of this guy always gives me access. This guy never gives me access. This guy was rude to me one time, which, you know, maybe they were having a bad day. That's all I have to say about that. But anything where it's not just the players voting or maybe players and coaches, I always think it's fallible, I guess. Yeah. But what do you think? Well, like, I in terms it up. of I looked it up because one of my questions was, OK, they're not winning like their record is bad. So is that going to affect his MVP chances? So I looked it up and according to Elias Sports Bureau, 
the NBA expanded to 16 teams in 1984 playoffs. And since then, there's never been an MVP playing for a team that finished the regular season seventh or lower in their conference. And right now, the Warriors are 10th. Only two MVPs in history played for teams with records below 500. Bob Pettit, 1955-56, St. Louis Hawks team. And Kareem won in 1975 and 76 for a 40-42 Lakers team. So I think it's important that, you know, we know what this criteria, this made-up criteria is for this MVP. But I wonder if... But it changes because voters change. People get their votes taken away all the time. People quit their jobs in media. It's it's not like it's even the same people. Not at all. Using their same criteria. I think the thing everyone is comparing it to is Westbrook, who won in Mm 2016-17, and OKC uh, was not as bad as, you know, they were like struggling to be 500, but they finished 47 and 35. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing this year, though, when I was hearing you say finishing as a seventh seed, is that are we going to count those by the play in tournament or post play in tournament results? Or are we going to have the ones who finished the regular season? Honestly, that kind of stuff doesn't really matter to me anyway, the legend of of all of that. But I don't think he has any chance at MVP. Mm-hmm. I also don't think that he should let that get him down. He's having an amazing season. Agreed. Just let it be an amazing season. If you don't win an MVP, we're still going to be talking about this Steph season for years and years to come. I saw that Draymond Green quote where he was saying that he hopes it inspires his teammates to play better, to give Steph a better chance at winning an MVP. I don't know, maybe just to support him as a teammate. And then he said, if you don't, you're soft. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Steve Kerr said over the weekend that it seems like I've run out of ways to describe Steph's play. So when I was texting you, I said that he feels like when you wake up and you'd find out it was a snow day, but that's kind of wrong. The Steph experience is waking up for the third day in a row and realizing it's the third snow day in a row. I don't know if you had that. I lived in Connecticut for a little bit as a kid. Yeah, that no, is very. I've never had a snow because day. it keeps piling on, and you're like, "This was great at first, but surely it can't continue." And then it just continues and continues. It snowballs to go with the metaphor. I love that. That is so accurate. I I noted like Steph Curry is like a string of of green lights in a row. You think that you're you're gonna hit a red, or you're really trying to get home, and you just hit all these green lights, and that that's what's watching Steph Curry is like that excitement, that joy of, oh, this can't be true, but it you're is. like a and third green light in a row and you're rolling down your windows. <laughs> yeah, you turn up the music, music on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what a time. What about the other two MVPs? He played Jokic over the weekend. They played the Warriors. Jokic is almost, oh my God, this is like now we're Stat City podcast, but Jokic <laughs> is almost averaging a triple-double. He's shooting so much better from three this year. He currently has career highs in points assists, rebounds, free throw shooting, free throw attempts, three-point shooting. Mm. Watching him is like players try to be aggressive with Jokic. They try to body Jokic. And that is probably the most frustrating thing for them. Like take the Warriors, Mm -hmm. take Draymond. Draymond is, you try to give him as much physicality as possible. But Jokic, he's a bigger guy, but he kind of just floats away. It doesn't have to be crisp with him and nothing, often nothing is. Like for so many players, it's a science, it's engineering. Clay Thompson mm-hmm. will take the exact same shot with the exact same facial expression. 
and the exact same follow <laughs> follow through a hundred times. He is an engineer, but Jokic is an artist. Jokic plays like somebody who went to Joshua Tree over the weekend just to think and then told all Ooh. of his friends about it and wrote a blog and sent it to all of his teammates. He is fluidity personified, but we're shocked every single time because he doesn't have the body type that we associate typically with grace. And when Draymond was talking about it after the game, what it was like to try to guard him, he said he used the word nimble. Yeah, I Jokic love that. Jokic is a ballerina in a bully's body. And that's why it's so mm -hmm. much fun to watch him play. And the more efficient he gets, the, the littler things that end up being better, you get to appreciate how wild it is that these passes are coming from this person. And earlier I said nothing about him is crisp. Even the passes, like the second they leave his hands, you realize this is going to be an extremely accurate pass, of course. But everything mm -hmm. leading up to that, it just is loosey-goosey. I loved that Draymond used nimble because he he described how you can try to body him. You can try when you're in the post, but he just rolls off of you, just spins off of you each time. Or he's going to do a fadeaway jumper from the baseline. Like it's things that you wouldn't expect from this type of player. And that's the joy of watching Jokic. I read somewhere on Twitter as we're talking about all these awards that Steph could win MVP, but Jokic should win perfect attendance. <laughs> and I cackled because one, I always won perfect attendance in elementary school. That was my pride and joy. Never missed a day. I loved that. <laughs> on the awards ceremony, I was so proud of that award. But it should count for something, especially this season. He's played in all 60 games. He is leading the league in efficiency over Giannis and Luka. And I think it should count for something, right? Like we should talk about it and it should be a part of his MVP campaign or just showing how he's dominating every single night. Like he's not taking a night off. I do feel like players get recognized for it, especially role players. If you're somebody who's super reliable, that's always talked about. If you ever get traded mm -hmm. or you sign with a new team, they're like, this guy plays a lot of games. And then obviously, like that's been the part of the whole LeBron myth making too, up until this last, you know, year and a half has been how durable his yeah. body has been throughout the test of time. I was reading Tom Ziller's newsletter the other day and it's an excellent newsletter. Everybody should subscribe to it. His headline said, availability is not inability. That's often the thing that comes up in MVP voting. Well, he's missed X amount of games. And yes, I think that's mm -hmm. totally fair. That's something that you should weigh in, I suppose. But I think instead of it being something you take away from these other ballots, or I don't even really want to get into ballots. Let's just say take away from their season. You know, if, if you look at Joel mm -hmm. Embiid and you're like, yes, but he's missed 19 games this season. And you the first thing you say isn't how wonderful that he's been and how fun it's been to see him make this leap as well, which these other Jokic and Steph, these other two guys we're talking about have also made leaps. I don't maybe it's wrong for me to say that Steph has because <laughs> well, the memory <laughs> thing, you know, I'm telling you, it's like watching him every time he has these great stretches. It feels like deja vu. Like, yes, I've seen this before. But for some reason, this is the first mm -hmm. time I can pinpoint it being this good. But with Jokic, he's also made an incredible leap. And these are all guys who were really, really good before, who were floating in and out of people's top tens. And I'm just going to say that very vaguely because I don't want to peg anybody's top ten. And of course, Steph was in everybody's, but the other two players. But I think that time, it should be a separate thing. We are applauding Jokic for playing in all of these games. We are, especially this year. I mean, I, I just can't yeah. imagine 
Joel Embiid, by the way, has a shoulder injury now. I think it's it's minor. It's day to day. He's missed 19 games now this season. Like I said, I saw this quote over the weekend that Doc said, and I would love to hear what you have to say about this, Jordan. He said he's not worried about it because, quote, he'll have more rest in the playoffs. You don't play any back to backs in the playoffs. Typically, you get a day off in between every game. So I am not that concerned. I don't even know what to think about that. You're playing at a higher level every single game in the playoffs and it's do or die. So I don't think you're really getting a day off. Yeah, I, I, I'm i very confused by that statement. Yeah, it's really weird. It's almost like the intensity changes in the playoffs. It's very strange. Uh, <laughs> I also I saw this interview that Embiid was doing with Stephen A. Smith and Stephen A. like asked, how are you so much better this year? And Embiid said that he's better this year because he changed his diet. And a lot of it has to do with him being a dad now. He wants to be someone who his son can say, look, my dad's really good at basketball. Like, that's very endearing. I was like, so where did the mid-range, where was that inspired? Like, you're eating really healthy one morning and you just (laughs) decided you had like a revelation. But we often see teams who are completely different teams when one guy's off the court. That's not unusual in the NBA. Giannis comes to mind. And that's mm-hmm. been the story of past Bucks teams that they can't survive when he's not on the court. Not true this year entirely. LeBron obviously has had this in his career. They're, you know, he's really pushing his team to the next level. But then there's the players and the times, and Giannis and LeBron are both of these two. There's a transcendent next level, which is this player is willing wins. You are the deciding factor completely. And B to me is crossing that. Mm-hmm. It's hard in this era that we're in to think of a dominant center, someone who's as big as Embiid and is shaped like a center who could have fit in two decades ago, having a skill set enough yeah. to transcend into that next level. But not only does he have that skill set, now he has this mid-range jumper, which he is taking the third most mid-range jumpers in the league, nearly six a game, and is making them at 50.8%. Jordan, tell me the first player who comes to your mind when I say mid-range. Ooh, I don't know if it's just because LaMarcus Aldridge or, or thinking of like that center post position. LaMarcus Aldridge comes to mind for the post player, but CJ McCollum for a guard. Yep. I feel like his pull-up game is perfect. So, but before LaMarcus retired, he was taking five, which is less than Embiid, and he was shooting them slightly better. But he was taking significantly less. Yeah. CJ McCollum is not even close in this list to how many he's taking. Um, he's taking more than DeMar DeRozan, more than Chris Paul, more than Devin Booker. It's wild. It's it, I don't, I don't wow. understand where it came from, and I love the kid answer. I love the diet answer, but I would really like to know where the mid-range came from. Embiid is another guy who, you talked about it, like has been injured and that has taken priority over the MVP conversation with Sixers record and everything like that. And we talk about Jokic too. Jamal Murray gets injured. And yes, they're five and one without him, but I think it was... Everyone, you know, the air went out of the room. Everyone was like, oh, God, what are the Nuggets going to do with Steph and the Warriors? Clay Thompson being injured, like Wiseman being injured. There are so many injuries this season. And even when we started thinking that this was going to be a topic for the show, Trey Young gets injured. You talked about LaMelo Ball, LeBron, AD. Do you think that this is because of the shortened season 
and, you know, kind of rolling in after the bubble season. What are your thoughts? Is there a connector between injuries and the season schedule? It's hard to ever assign a direct yes or no to something that you can't you can't intimately trace back. You know, it's not like we know this guy was hurting at the end of the season and then he doesn't get the normal recovery time and his specific body type or his injury history suggests. But I don't know how you can't on a broader level. I don't know how you can't. Right. I mean, like you said, there was Embiid himself. There's also Ben Simmons. Every net, every Brooklyn mm-hmm. net, every single one. There's Jamal Murray, yes. And then oh right after, Will Barton strained his hamstring. So it's all around the mm-hmm. league. This was the wildest thing to me. Jokic has this quote. He says, the injuries are all around the league. I don't know what's happening. I think we need to, first of all, protect each other on the floor because we are eating the same bread. We can play hard and compete, but I think we can play kind of safer. So he says that literally asking other players, shit's going really weird this season and we're all getting hurt. Can we just be gentler to each Mm. other on the court? That's not something you hear often from a player that kind of plea. And I while I do think this is a condensed schedule problem, I don't think it's entirely that. It's just a really exhaustive schedule normally. So if you're going at 120 miles per hour and then all of a sudden one of your wheels falls off and everyone's like, yeah, we've still got to make it the same distance, the same amount of time. And actually now we need to do it like, you know, way shorter and we need you guys to still Mm -hmm. hit it. It's been exacerbated by the condensed schedule, but they were already going so intensely for so long. It's not sustainable in any athlete's life to play the NBA season and they have to take real extremes to make sure that they're ready every year. But when you pile that on top of, okay, so now we're going to play Less games than a regular season, sure, but we're going to smush them all together. Your travel is going to be nonsensical. You're going to be up here in this northern city one day, and then you're going to play back-to-back in the south the next day. And then do you like the West Coast? Have you been in a while? You're going to stay there for three months. (laughs) And then we're going to take you back to the east, and we're going to drop you back in the west. Yeah, exactly. It's If you look at any team's schedule, you can compare it from last year's. You can compare it from the years before. Which is, it's interesting because last year and the year before, they really made this push, the NBA publicly, of being like, we understand. And what we're Mm going to do for you is give you less back-to-backs. This is our gift to you as a treat. And then now they all (laughs) voted on, let's get this, let's cram this schedule in. Let's have them going all over the country. Have it not make sense, but hey, it technically it fits. And by the way, like hopefully none of you get injured. It's almost like it wasn't thought of, but I have a hard time imagining that it can't be thought of. I just wish, and this is my my plea beyond basketball too, that people are open to changes that seem inauspicious to capitalistic gain if you want to maximize the product. Because if you're thinking about it, you are wearing these players down because you want to start the 2021-22 season on time. What if your players are out? What if you don't have Jamal Murray by then? Because you probably won't. I mean, no, you definitely won't. What am I? Exactly. exactly. So that's the whole thing is that you're you can't go, go, go and not have any idea that this is going to harm your future. And beyond that, you can't look at these players or just listen to them. Just listen to what they're saying. Drew Holiday was just on um, our friend Tommy Alter's pod, Old Man and the Three with J.J. Reddick. And 
they asked him, like, why do you think you're playing so much better this year in Milwaukee? And he said, A, Bud is very strict on the amount of time that we're practicing. You know, like if he'll say, I want to get a couple mm. more shots in, Bud will say, okay, that's great, but you can do it some other time. Like, go rest your body. And then he also said he thinks he's playing better because there's less pressure because he doesn't care. He was like, I have not cared less about basketball. That made me think of a quote I saw from Seth Curry the other day. And the Sixers had lost. And they were like, well, what happened? And he was like, I don't remember what went wrong, to be honest. That's a direct quote. They hit some threes. Guides had some breakdowns. I guess I got to watch the film and figure it out. I don't remember what happened. Then they asked another Sixer. And he was like, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to have to watch the tape and figure it out. That's a real sign of exhaustion. People are really tired. They're really burnt out. <laughs> they just don't On care. basketball, burnt out on oh, no. life. Honestly, like we all are. And they're having to go through something that's more intensive than their normal work schedule during this time. As far as injuries, though, yeah, I don't know how you can't say that that is a huge cause of it. And it's really funny to me now to see all of these owners upset about it because mm -hmm. you voted for it. I mean, you and I talked about illegal defense last week. These are how things like this get passed. So there's the play in tournament. How does that come to be? Mm -hmm. It comes to be because all 30 owners, the board of governors, sit down in a room before the season and they say, well, the season's going to be condensed. There's not a full 82 games this year. So how do we feel that it's fair to the teams at the end of the conferences on the bubble of getting in and getting out can get into the playoffs. Like they have a normal type of opportunity to do that despite having fewer games. Someone suggests the play in tournament. Everyone agreed. It was unanimous. Unanimous, Mark Cuban. Who possibly could have complained about the play in tournament? Mark and Luca. When your player comments, I guess you, you want to back them up, but... It just seemed like regret, like a cloud of regret was just following him. And he had this chance to speak up and he did. And he believes that. And what Luca was saying was he doesn't understand the idea. You play 72 games to get into the playoffs. Then maybe you lose two in a row and you're out of the playoffs. So I think it's. I think it's everyone gets a chance. No, but that's Maybe the exact that's thing. That is the point of that. Optimism. There is a point of that. I don't see the point of that. The point of it is that there are fewer games. And so you had to appease the owners who knew that they would be sort of on the bubble of getting in and getting out. Mm -hmm. And how do we make this fair? Well, here's a tournament that we're giving you. So even if you finish 10th and you'd be one of those teams that would climb up into seventh, the remaining 10 games then here you have it's a tournament to prove yourself. That is very much the point of it. And yes, it's also like to go back to your evergreen point that I love when you bring up it's a game like things are changing. They just they change the rules. So you have a play in tournament. It's it's really not that atypical for sports. Before we get into it, actually, I'm just going to explain the play in just in case anybody's unfamiliar, which is Please totally do. understandable because it's the first year the NBA has done this last year. They did the play in game. So teams that finish 7th to 10th in each, each conference will play a tournament to see which two teams get in. If we're doing it right now, we're recording this on a Monday, and we're doing this with the Eastern Conference, then that would mean the Heat are in 7th, the Hornets are in 8th, the Pacers who are in 9th, and the Wizards who are in 10th. So first, the Heat and the Hornets will play. 7th and 8th seeds will play. Whoever wins that gets in. They're the 7th seed. After mm -hmm. that, the ninth seed and the 10th seed will play. So the Pacers and the Wizards in this case. The loser of the seventh and eighth seed game will play the winner 
of the ninth and tenth seed game. So that lower that lower tier, the ninth seed and the tenth seed, whoever wins that has to win again to get in. And then whoever mm-hmm. wins that game has win, gets the eighth seed. That is the play-in tournament. So I think it's fun. <laughs> Honestly, I think it's really fun. I hope they keep it. Um, and Mark Cuban said, quote, I get why the NBA is doing it, but if we are going to be creative because of COVID, we should go straight up one through 20 and let the bottom four play in. This is the year particularly to do it since the 10 games cut were in conference. The worst part of this approach is that it doubles the stress of the compressed schedule. Rather than playing for a playoff spot and being able to rest players as the standings become clearer, teams have to approach every game as a playoff game to either get into or stay in the top six since the consequences, as Luca said, are enormous. So players are playing more games and more minutes in fewer days. Look, you're not wrong, but you are wrong because you voted for this. If we are going to be creative because of COVID, that (laughs) was what was tasked to your people. And then you guys voted for this 30 to zero. You all wanted it. And the other part is that, yes, of course, you and Luca are going to say it at this point in the season. Luca's probably tired and you're seeing where the Mavs are standing. Mm -hmm. Like you are very much in this. This could be your future in a couple of weeks. But as an owner, this is another good reason. Like, please go back and listen to the last episode we did on illegal defense because you're also trying to make this game marketable, you're trying to make it more fun. The word we hate the most, ratings. Like, owners love that word because they're constantly yeah. looking at it. They're saying, is this, are people interested? Are people into this game? You can't have both. This is the very interesting thing. This also really helps your tanking problem. Because the more teams that want to get in to the play-in tournament and see a real avenue at the playoffs, which is always in the Western Conference, there's always teams who are like just there. You can always peel off like three weeks out if you see, okay, never mind. We're in 10th and we're just not going to make it. There's like really no way. This really helps. You, It's harder to tell a fan base as an owner, as a GM, Okay, guys, well, we're, we're hanging mm-hmm. it up this year. We're not going to be competitive again. If the Wolves could even sniff the play-in tournament, <laughs> imagine trying to tell their fans, no, we're going to tank. No fan base Yeah, and there's still that. a lot of games left. <laughs> a lot of games, a yeah, lot of time there's left. there's still a lot of games left <laughs> that you still have to keep them interested in some way or another. And I think Mark Cuban made this point. Like, I get it. More fans are involved if more teams are involved in the playoffs. Like there is more excitement, more engagement around that. And I think that he has to see that that is the main reason and the driving force behind this. And plus, like you said, it's a game and it's fun. You get another chance. I love that. And that, you know, seventh and eighth seed, if you lose, you get another chance to prove yourself because you feel like you're at that eighth spot. You deserve to be there. Okay, prove it. Like win another game which is it's so fun to watch so whatever mark you voted for it you have to deal with your regret on another time not now wow it's finally summer but also like wow how is it already summer Either way, I'm welcoming this season with all things bedding, bath, loungewear from Brooklinen. 
And with their Memorial Day sale happening right now, Brooklinen's offering site-wide savings on all things comfort for this summer and beyond, working directly with manufacturers to ensure premium comfort at a fraction of the retail price. They deliver award-winning comfort direct to your door. Stock up on all things summer comfort and shop the Memorial Day sale now. And if you're listening to this podcast after the air date, don't worry. You can still go to brooklinen.com and use the code SPIN for $20 off your first order of $100 plus free shipping. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com and enter promo code SPIN for $20 off your first order of $100 plus free shipping. Brooklinen. Everything you need to live your most comfortable life. A thing I saw before the start of the season was that this is unprecedented. There's never been this short of an offseason for any top four sport mm. in the U.S. And my thought was like, huh, I wonder. I <laughs> now, Jordan, <laughs> can you tell me, is there any other professional <laughs> sports league where the athletes are forced to play shorter off seasons? Yes, it is called the WNBA. Oh, the W. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yes, a lot of people forget that a WNBA player has no time off. I think we talked about it a couple episodes ago, but how after the bubble last year, you know, Cheyenne Parker from the Chicago Sky had 24 hours before going back to Chicago, packing up a different bag and going to play overseas. And injuries are a part of that just because what we talked about not giving your body enough time to heal. So it's not necessarily, you know, sometimes it happens where at the end of the WNBA season, all the stars or people are just, you know, falling off left and right. And you get to the playoffs. I think of the Chicago sky again, you get to the playoffs, you made it there. The WNBA has a play in tournament as well. And you don't have all your hitters with you because of injuries. And you think back, oh, maybe it's because I've been playing basketball for a year straight and I've had like no, not even a weekend to rest my body. For example, I really want to paint this picture because I feel like I've talked about this. People in the W talk about talk this. Talk about but it. Yes. Like you really have to understand what no time off means. So I'm going to use Brianna Stewart as an example. Wonderful player. She comes back from a tour in Achilles. Uh, she tore in 2018 while playing in Russia even though she shouldn't have even need to play in Russia after winning an MVP. Wait, wait, wait let's just make it super point. explicit. Why does she have to play in Russia? <laughs> no, seriously, because there's a lot of people who might think she's yeah. an overly ambitious person, which obviously she is. She's made the W. She is, but no, because she has to make money, and that is where she makes her money. So even a full season of the W, she plays for Russia in a month. She makes three times as much as she she made for the WNBA season. So they are going to play overseas, not because they, you know, basketball is fun, but also because they need to provide for themselves and their families and make a living. So that is why she is going to play. But it was unfortunate when she has a huge injury like a torn Achilles over there when she could have been resting her body and it could have been a quote unquote off season for her. So she misses the 2019 season because of that injury. She comes back in 2020 in the wobble in July. She kills it. Seattle wins a championship. She wins the finals MVP in October. Then she immediately goes and plays in Russia in November with games starting in December. They're still in season right now. <laughs> the WNBA season starts May 14th, like in a couple weeks. She's still playing games as much as like as latest as this last weekend. She'll go straight from Russia 
to full season mode again. She's hoping to win a championship there. Then, LOL, the Olympics are this year. So she's going to need to start the WNBA season, then play at an extremely high level for her country to try to win a gold medal, then come back, finish off, you know, casual, her WNBA season, probably try to win another MVP, then has to do it all over again at the end of the season. And then it's like where if she has any ailment or she's sore in any way, when does she get the time to rest? I think if we're looking at this also, again, from the owner standpoint, because that seems to be the thing that the American fans take on is this assumption that if we're Mm going to put ourselves in this situation, we're going to look from the owner's viewpoint, which is a very weird. (laughs) That's American exceptionalism for you. Then aren't you thinking about the fact that they have to play in these other locations overseas? which just relocating anywhere is really hard. Relocating somewhere that yeah. is completely foreign to you is is even harder. And a lot of WNBA players have talked about that. A lot of soccer players have talked about that from the U.S. That adds another element that's just really difficult. The time change, everything. Anyway, if your star players, one of your best players in the league has having to go do that and you're acknowledging that this short of an offseason is hurting top NBA players, sub NBA players, you are then admitting that your product is being hurt. Your WNBA product is being hurt by the fact that these people can't give it their all because they physically can't. And they still do whatever's left. But none of us can deny that the product, their abilities would be stronger. Did they not have to do all these other things to make a living? That's a Mm -hmm. huge theme across women's sports. Like I'll never get over this, but the start of racing Louisville FC, the Louisville NWSL team that's brand new. The start of their season, they were playing the Pride. The Orlando Pride were coming to visit. Very first time, inaugural season, inaugural game. And the Orlando Pride were missing Alex Morgan. She wasn't there because she had to go play in the U.S. Women's National Team game. So they had scheduled the start of that knowing that there would be conflict with the national team. These women have to go like national team comes first. That is how you make your money as a U.S. women's soccer player. But you're hurting your other you're hurting this franchise who you just started. You're like, hey, Louisville, good luck. Um, Anyway, we're going to take away this huge star draw. Probably the reason we scheduled this game in the first place. But anyway, good luck. Thankfully, Louisville's filled with wonderful supportive people and it's been great. But it's just another example Let me ask you this. Do you think that this is something that NBA players can learn from is saying, look, this is like Hmm. the WNBA. We already know what happens. Or do you think it's just not a good comparison? I want to say that they want to look to the W and say, oh, wow, you guys are doing something wrong or great. And we want to take that from you and learn from it. But honestly, I don't think so. I think they're thinking of it as we want the most out of these NBA players because we want to make the most money and we want to make sure that we can provide something for the fans that they can buy into and pay attention to for the most amount of time possible. And even for the W, you know, you have some fans that if you're a number one Brianna Stewart fan, you're going to follow her for the whole year. You're going to see what she's doing regardless. And I think that they're trying to capitalize on that in the NBA and saying, You know, we have the play-in tournament. You can stay with us a little bit longer. We're going to shorten the offseason so you don't even get a chance to miss NBA basketball. We want it to be around the clock. 
And I think that's what they're trying to do and just trying to make sure that their dollars are working for them. Yeah, the difference is that NBA players can say, no, you stop juicing me now. Like, I, I can afford to not be juiced. Whereas WNBA players are like, oh, I guess I don't have a choice. Don't get that. Yeah. Yeah, don't have a choice. Oh, I want to make money? <laughs> okay, don't have a choice. <laughs> exactly, which I guess is a long way of saying, Mark Cuban, please be quiet. <laughs> That's our show. Please keep leaving us your fan confessions, irrational opinions, horoscope-based predictions on our voicemail at 502-874-4453 or send us an email at spinsters at bluewirepods.com to be featured on the show. Spinsters is hosted by me, Haley O'Shaughnessy, and Jordan Liggins. This episode was produced by Jordan, Jamila Zora-Williams, Isabel Jocelyn, and Alex Ward. Our production coordinator is Devin Shepard, and our executive producers are Peter Moses, John Yales, and me. Hi, this is Amy from Atlanta, and my NBA confession is I think Nick Claxton is the prettiest player in the NBA. Love you guys. Bye.